You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 79th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 409th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, June 7th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the shot. Wednesday night, the Indiana Senior All-Stars battled the Indiana Junior All-Stars in their annual showcase game. The exhibition featured three players on the senior side who will be attending Indiana University next season, Romeo Langford, Robert Finnessy, and Demise Anderson. And the game would have featured two uber-talented juniors who are considering Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis and Keon Brooks, but they could not play due to their tryouts for the USA Basketball Under-18 team. With no TJD and no Brooks, you might think the seniors would breeze to a victory playing on Romeo Langford's high school home floor. But not so fast. The junior All-Stars led by as many as 11 early and took a 7-point lead into halftime. And according to Demise Anderson, that is when Romeo Langford decided enough was enough. Josh Margolis recounted Demise's recollection over at Inside the Hall. Quote, It was a fire in his eyes. I saw it on his face, Anderson said. He was locked in. We could feel it. He was about to go to work. He's about to be focused. We've just got to jump on his back and have him lead us, unquote. And lead is exactly what Romeo did. He sparked an 18-to-1 run to start the second half, and the seniors ended up cruising to a 111-101 victory. Sure, it was only an exhibition, and it was the seniors playing the juniors without two of the top juniors even playing, But it's still encouraging to see Indiana's three in-state freshmen having a solid winning chemistry on the court and in the locker room. Plus, there may be some games next season in which Indiana needs Romeo to have that fire in his eyes and help lead a second-half charge. And for one more night as a high schooler, his play suggested that he'll be up to the task. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists, He's the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he will forever be known as the person who gave my daughter her first Indiana hat. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? Well, your daughter should get ready because my wife has a whole pile of other stuff ready to send you as we've been uh, going through some things, including, I believe, one of the first assembly call shirts that you ever sent my kids. You guys are so (laughs) lucky. I'm never going to have kids, so you don't have to send stuff like that. Yeah, you could have just stopped after so lucky. You're never going to. Totally. Yeah. The the world Uh, is lucky. Well, yes, we all we all share in the excitement there. Uh, No, I mean, 
not a ton to talk about. I mean, I could talk about uh, incredibly early bracketology where I think IU is a seven seed, but I, I feel like talking about that is uh, is really giving a little bit too much credence to what that actually is. So I'll I'll pass on that. Uh, yeah, I did see today though a couple of the guys. I think uh, Jake Forrester and Jerome Hunter both uh, you know putting they'd be about five days till they get on campus. So you know, just kind of another step in the process, really getting those guys in. Uh, as you mentioned, the you know the Indiana All Stars. And that stuff should be wrapping up here shortly and, uh, you know, get these guys on campus and, and get things started. That's, you know, as you think about ways to get yourself through the offseason, uh, getting everybody on campus and together seems like the next logical step and uh, start to build that chemistry that, you know, some of those guys already have, as you mentioned, Jared, and uh, what hopefully the rest of them will develop with the, you know, the, the veterans that are already there. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of stuff from Cliff Marshall about what he's got those guys doing uh, in the offseason. So. You know, not a ton to get excited about in the offseason, but getting those guys on campus to me is a is a pretty big hurdle to clear uh, and getting them there and uh, everybody, you know, in on time and, and ready to go. And now, to my right, he's a man who somehow maintains a cordial relationship with Indiana fans despite his general disdain for both Simon Scott Assembly Hall and John Mellencamp. He's a columnist for the big lead, and he's someone who, when he's not watching tape, lots and lots of tape in preparation for our scouting report segments, is pondering the truly meaningful questions in life. How do you say dough in Norwegian? He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? First of all, I have nothing against John Mellencamp. I don't, I don't know where you got that. Just throwing that in. That is, that is. Because you've been demanding new songs. And well, finally, I want to switch it up a little. Well, I don't you're going to you're gonna get your wish. You're going to get Thank your wish. Thank you. I don't see anything wrong with a little variety. <laughs> feel bad for your wife if you don't change it up every once in a while. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, think, I think you guys both hit what I was going to talk about. I think that it's it's been awesome seeing on Twitter, seeing the guys just super, the the incoming freshmen just super excited to hit campus and, uh, you know, move to the next chapter of their lives. I mean, forget the basketball angle. I, I think we were all sort of excited when we were going to college, you know, and, and remember that feeling. And so I think that it, it sort of uh, gives you a little bit of nostalgia for the, oh, heading to campus. I get to live in my own apartment or dorm or whatever. And, uh, do different things. So I, I think it's excited whenever young people uh, get to do that and, and experience that for the first time and, and, uh, and get, you know, ahead of the curve in life. And I think that, that we're all excited about seeing these guys progress, not just as players, but as people as well. And uh, I think that's what's special about Indiana basketball is the focus on, on them as people and how, when you do come to Indiana and, and most of these guys seem like, they're going to be here for a while. I mean, other than I think Romeo, we all expect to, to be here for a very short time, but all the other guys, we expect to be here for a while. We're going to see them grow, see them change as people and, and see them progress in their lives and go on to what I'm sure will be great things. So uh, that's always really exciting for me, just seeing those guys get interested, it, you know, just seeing how excited they are to get on campus. And, and then I think you were right too, Jared. I thought that that was the story of the week, the, the Indiana all-star game and everybody commenting on Romeo sort of, uh, getting the snarl as we used to call it whenever Kobe Bryant would go off or Michael Jordan would go off. You get that kind of look in their eyes. Like it's, it's time it's go time and I'm not going to let my team lose this game. And and that that's quite frankly, something Indiana has been missing since Yogi Ferrell left. I think that Yogi in his senior year, maybe up until his senior year didn't display that. But then in his senior year, there were several games where you just saw that 
the look in his eye, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to not lose this game and to go out and win it. And, and I think that, that Indiana has been missing that guy. And, and so I think that's part of the excitement with Romeo, not just the scoring, not just the NBA ability, but that he's a guy who wins and he gets things done and he doesn't seem to care if he's the one getting it done or if he's making plays for other people, he just wants to win. And I think that Indiana needs a little bit of that attitude. And and I think Archie Miller is going to love that coming in. And, uh, Lastly, I, I want to say, Andy mentioned this last week, but the stuff that Indiana is doing with their basketball Twitter account, uh, I went back and looked. I had, I had missed it during the week. I went back and looked at that feature following around Deron Davis for a day. That was fantastic. The video they put together uh, of Juwan Morgan uh, for his for his comeback uh you know for his coming back for his senior season was great i'm I, I know that when archie miller got on campus he said he wanted to modernize the indians approach to social media they're doing it it's fantastic go back and check that stuff out if you haven't guys really cool and i hope that they do one of those you know day in the life of for all the players you get to see duran interacting with a bunch of different people in the athletic department doing his rehab going interacting with uh tutors and stuff like that it's really fun and and uh a nice behind the scenes look. And I think it's a great way to connect fans with the players as well. And and I'm glad that they're leveraging that sort of moving into the 21st century with that kind of stuff. All right. This week on assembly call radio, a question hit me a few days ago. I wonder if we're, we may be underrating the impact of Robert Johnson's departure. I want to get Andy and Ryan's thoughts on that. I don't think Andy's underrating it. Well, no, that's probably true. Uh, then we're going to go in depth on Justin Smith, his tantalizing potential, his strengths, his weaknesses, and realistically what a sophomore breakout would look like for him. Uh, and then of course we'll close by answering your questions in segment four, all of that coming here on assembly call radio uh, real quick before we get to that. I want to tell you about two great ways to shop online for tickets and for IU gear that also help us out at the same time. Remember these two URLs, iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Memorize them, bookmark them, because when you use them to buy IU tickets or gear, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. So iutickets.shop will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can browse the latest listings on IU basketball tickets and always find the best prices and deals. You can also search for IU football tickets, sports tickets, concert tickets, anything. As long as you use iutickets.shop to get there, we'll get credit. And as a bonus, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. iustore.shop will take you to the official IU online store where they have gear for everyone and everything from shirts, hats, and jerseys for adults and kids to tailgate gear, office gear, basically you name it, and they've got it. We really, really appreciate you bookmarking and using those URLs because the commissions add up and help us cover the cost of running the show, as well as helping to make sure that Ryan has basic amenities where he lives. My apartment complex has a bowling alley in it. Again, the URLs are iutickets.shop and iustore.shop. Thank you. Okay, you're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And so let's talk real quick about Robert Johnson. Um, and here's how I want to preface this. And Andy, I'll, I'll get your thoughts first. You know, we're all talking about the improvement that we expect from Indiana and how much better we think Indiana can be this year. And a big part of that is Romeo Langford's addition and what he will give us at the guard position that we didn't have last year. But I wonder if in our excitement to project forward and think about the possibilities of what Romeo can bring, we forget that, you know, despite 
some of his ups and downs last year, Robert still had a really good senior year. 14 points, four and a half boards. You know, shot 37% from downtown. Had some really big performances on the road. And of course, defensively, he was outstanding. And Romeo clearly has better long-term potential. You know, he is a, a more dynamic scorer. But still, freshman Romeo Langford coming in, having to adjust to the college game, you know, if he were to just put up the numbers that senior Robert Johnson put up, they might be a little bit disappointing given the hype, but that would still be a pretty solid season for a freshman. And so for Indiana to really take a huge step, is it possible that maybe we need to look for the growth to come from other places instead of just this massive growth at the two-guard position? Because what Indiana got from Robert Johnson last year was actually pretty darn good, um, and still you know, they weren't as good as what we would have expected. Or am I crazy and I'm actually underrating how much better Romeo is than Robert Johnson? Uh, well, I don't know that I'm, you know, I'm certainly not the the least biased person to answer this question. So, uh, I, you know, everybody can take that with a grain of salt. I, I think I think what you get in Romeo that you, you would say you didn't really have in Robert Johnson is a guy that the other team feels as though they have to focus on and they have to try to, to take away. Um, I think Robert Johnson was certainly well-respected uh, among other Big Ten coaches and programs, but I also don't think you know, as much as he played for IU um, and as many, you know, points as he was able to score over the course of last season, I don't know that he was a focal point for opponents in the way that that Romeo is. And I think that has the opportunity to make everybody around Romeo better, maybe in a way that that Robert just, you know, wasn't wasn't quite wired to do. Uh, I think from a skill set standpoint, you know, the shooting is a big one because that's something that IU lacked was consistent, uh, you know, long range shooting. And I think the thought is that that's something Romeo is going to get. But he's also a guy who can put the ball on the floor. And I think Robert did that at times, but was, you know, at, at times also inconsistent uh, with really, you know, impacting that part of his game. And, and, you know, the thing that I do think will be the biggest drop off and, and but I don't think it's. I think it's something that everybody is is cognizant of is really on the defensive end where Robert was a guy you could go stick on, you know, the opponent's best perimeter player and he's going to go out and play 35, 36 minutes a game and uh, and really be, you know, that bulldog that kind of got talked about a couple of years ago uh, defensively. And I think that's something that, you know, we've talked about how good can Romeo be defensively based on his length and things like that. Um, but it's also not something that he's been asked to do uh, a whole lot. But I think that of the things that Robert Johnson brought to the table is the one that is probably most widely acknowledged as that those are going to be, you know, the, that part of his shoes are going to be the hardest for Romeo to fill. But I think I think just how dynamic Romeo is offensively, it, it just adds a different element and, and forces opponents to game plan for him differently than people probably would have for Robert Johnson. Ryan? You're muted. I think, yeah, sorry. I think that, sorry, I was just trying to help you guys out, you know, because I know you love it when I'm muted. Uh, but I, I think that the thing we're missing here is the raw numbers from Rojo may not look that bad, but he was wildly inconsistent. And that was the problem. And, and what I think you get with a guy like Romeo is consistent scoring. And, and, and Indiana, while Robert Johnson's defense was fantastic, and I don't think that Romeo is going to be as good defensively initially. I think he has the potential to be as good def defensively, you know, over time. But as a freshman, I think it's going to be harder for him to, to just lock guys down like that um, on a consistent basis. I'm sure he can knock out fantastic defensive possessions, but Robert Johnson gave it to you every time down the floor, pretty much. What he will do is add consistent scoring, and quite frankly, that is what Indiana was missing last year. Robert Johnson played a lot. He was inconsistent from three. He was inconsistent on his driving. He was inconsistent 
there were times he'd disappear for long stretches of games and he didn't feel like a threat. And I mean, we noted the, the, the three point shooting was just all over the place last year and we noted it repeatedly. So I think we're kind of looking back on it fondly when I think during the season, if you had asked us about his offense, we would have said it was a big problem and, and it was at times. And, and you're right. Bite it, your to, tongue. Well, <laughs> Hey, you know, I love Rojo and you know that, but I, I think that, that as you noted there were some big performances that I think paper over some of the bad ones and you know getting 29 points at Iowa was a huge performance but at the same same time there were games that were bad enough that really balanced those out And so I think with Romeo you're getting consistent scoring but again I, I do agree with your premise though that you need help elsewhere it's not just replacing Robert Johnson with more scoring that's going to make Indiana better this year that helps but it's everything else gradually improving as well that really is what makes this incoming team better than the one last year but and you know for example Newkirk's minutes going to an improved Devonte green and robert finnessy will help you know mick swain and hartman's minutes going to some combination of justin smith evan fitzner and some talented freshmen should help Juwan you know, morgan with another year you know. yeah i mean that you know so you've got to get growth from all of these different places so i just wanted to make sure that we that we covered that and i think you guys made great points about romeo um so that and that's why I wanted to bring it up here because you guys yeah are I think usually I, reasonable yeah one, yeah one other quick thing I, I think you know we talked about Devonte Green being so important last year because he was one of the only guys that you felt like could really create his own shot um, that was huge yeah and that was a case where that was somewhat out of necessity and and Robert ended up with the ball in his hands in some late clock, shot clock situations but that really wasn't where he was best suited I mean you hit all those stats about how he fared as a spot up shooter and some of those other scenarios that just wasn't really what he was most adept at doing and so i think you know you're going to find certainly in pressure situations that romeo is going to get the ball and, and ideally be able to create his own shot and the combination of he and morgan uh will be you know a really formidable one for big 10 you know big 10 opponents so again if you think about other things last year's team was missing that cr ability to create your own shot was something that not a lot of guys had and uh certainly a ro something romeo would be expected to have right out of the gate I think the ideal situation for Robert at Indiana would have been as the third option where he was your defensive stopper and could knock down threes. Yeah, you what know, he was he, in 2016. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, and that was when yeah. I thought he looked like a guy who was going to go down as a, as a great all-time IU player. And I think he, he went down as a good player. I mean, we, lo we love the kid. But as far as his on-court success, it didn't live up to necessarily where we thought it would after his sophomore year because... He wasn't built, and there's nothing wrong with that. He wasn't built to be the one A option, and yeah. and it's not his fault. That's just not the player he is. He is more of a defensive guy who, when he steps up and gets you 15 points, that's great, you know. But you don't need to rely on that every week, every game, every week. Yeah, the the burden of all the hats he had to wear and yes, what was expected absolutely. of him last year wore heavy on him at times for sure. Yep. Okay, coming up, we continue our off-season player-by-player -player breakdown by discussing a talented young player who is by far the most popular choice among IU fans as a breakout pick for next season. He produced a lot of highlights as a freshman. Will he be ready to be more consistent as a sophomore? We'll discuss. Stick with us. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. If you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. 
You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call, or you can watch our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and participate in the live chat on YouTube. And when you watch on YouTube, for better or worse, you get all of the between-segment banter that doesn't make it into the radio or podcast edit, which in a recent episode included Ryan making this bizarre admission about where he stores his microphone after the show is over. Yeah, in my pants. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. You right. guys don't keep yours there? <laughs> no, uh, I, I keep mine right here on the on the microphone stand. That's, oh, why, okay. that's why it was very odd that you admitted that. I was just trying to keep it warm. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. Is that where the term hot mic comes from? Is that no? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> is that what the term boom comes from um <laughs> how long can we do this okay let's uh let's talk about justin smith so let's begin this by just taking a quick look back at his freshman season and i think when you think back to the freshman year that justin had he really had exactly the kind of freshman season he should have had based on his recruiting ranking you know he was a four-star guy you know 78 according to 24 uh, 7 sports you know he had some highs 20 points at minnesota uh, double figures in four of the final games. You might remember this big shot that he hit in that Minnesota game. There's the freshman Smith having a career oh, day, and he man. hits a three. Wow! Indiana up by one. What a shot! Friend of the show, Dan Dockich, there on the call, courtesy of ESPN. Um, so he had some highs, but he also had some lows. You know, after scoring 12 against Maryland on January 22nd, he had five games of six points or fewer before finishing strong. And so overall, he finished with six and a half points, 3.2 boards, and 15 minutes per game. But over the final six games, he had 12 points, four rebounds, and 21.2 minutes per game. So he improved as the season went along, played his best basketball toward the end of the season, and notably, Archie made a big deal about how his approach changed after the Christmas break and really being impressed with that level of maturity. So I think, you know, when you look at his freshman season, there's a lot to be pleased about. It wasn't, you know, the, the five-star, you know, become a, an All-American type freshman season, but it was solid. He showed growth. And that combined with his athleticism and just some of the tools that you see are why everybody's predicting a breakout for him this season. So before we talk about what that breakout might look like, Ryan, what are your, your general thoughts as you reflect back on what Justin produced as a freshman? You're muted. Maybe take the mic out of your pants. Again? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I think we saw a guy who was had a much better feel for the game than I think we expected. I think we expected an athletic guy who could maybe score some, grab some rebounds, you know, but would need to learn the game a bit more and and learn, you know, how to have you know, maybe up the basketball IQ as he went along. And and I think that we I was pleasantly surprised how quickly he adapted to the college game. And he had what was what was pretty much a typical uh freshman year where there were some ups, there were some downs. And, and, but I, I think that the overwhelming consensus from people is this guy's going to be a good player at, at Indiana. And I think you'd hear that on broadcast. You'd hear that from people who just discussed him and discussed his game. And, and I think that that's the way I felt too, is it looks like he is going to be a real good player who can, who's versatile, can play the wing, can play sort of more of a, a down low position if he needs to. 
can guard several positions and looks to have really good form on his jump shot and a developing jump shot. If he figures that part of his game out, he's going to be a dangerous player and, and a guy Indiana can rely on. And I think it's great with the influx of talent coming that you don't have to have him be your go-to guy or even your number two option as a, as a, as a sophomore. He can sort of ease into a role and, and, and find his way along. And I expect a big jump from him this year. And I think that Indiana is going to have to rely on him at times. And, and that's not a bad thing because I think he really can be that guy. And I think Archie's right that you could see on the court that the light sort of went on with him after that Christmas break. Andy? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in addition to what Ryan said, I think just the overall activity level and and making yeah. smarter cuts to the basket. Um, I thought by the end of the season, he and Juwan were playing really well together, playing off of one another well. And I think as I look ahead to this season, it's really trying to, we've had some of these conversations in the offseason in terms of lineups. It's trying to figure out where he's really going to play what kind of lineups he's typically going to be used in. Because uh, I think he was asked to you know, do a few different things last year, depending on where he was. He played a lot of four uh, in some ways. It felt like um, in the front court, which I don't know if that's you know where he really ends up. And, and so I think being able to solidify, you know, is he really playing more of the three um, is going to be important for him. And, and the big thing is the shooting. I mean, when you think back about the best games that he had, you know, that Minnesota game, he was able to step out and make shots uh, and – if he works on that part of his game, in addition to you know working on his body over the course of the offseason, uh, and becomes a reliable shooter, if you know one or both of, of he and Juwan, as we've talked about, are able to step out and consistently make some shots and space the floor, uh, that becomes that becomes huge. So that's really to me the next step for him to take. But I think just in terms of understanding the activity level and the the focus needed to be able to excel uh, in the Big Ten. I think he really showed a good grasp of that and an improved grasp of that as the season went on and, and down the stretch, as you mentioned. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips doing our off-season player breakdown of Justin Smith. So it's easy to say, you know, okay, who's going to be the big breakout player? Justin Smith. But what does that breakout actually look like? And the way that I want to frame this to you guys is, are the progressions that Victor Oladipo and Troy Williams made as sophomores a good proxy for what Justin could do as a sophomore? And I don't want to think beyond what those guys did and what Victor became and any of that stuff. I just want to go from their freshman to sophomore seasons because there are similarities, you know, in where they were recruited. You know, Troy was the highest recruit of the three, and then Justin in the middle, and then Victor after that. And what they produced as freshmen was very similar. You know, Victor averaged 7.4 points, 3.7 boards in 18 minutes per game. Troy averaged 7.3 points. 4.4 boards and 25, 21.5 minutes per game. And Justin was right there, six and a half points, 3.2 boards and 15 minutes per game. But as I said, it trended up toward the end of the season to be a little bit closer to where those guys were. So if you look at what Victor and Troy did as sophomores, Victor improved to 10.8 points and 5.3 boards in about 27 minutes per game, although all of his shooting percentages dropped. So he didn't really become more efficient. He just played more minutes and his production rose. Troy actually became a little bit more efficient and even had a better sophomore year than Victor did with 13 points and 7.4 boards in 27 minutes per game. So you know, if you look at what Justin did just over the final six games of last year, you know, could he do that over a full season? And would that be considered kind of this breakout that people are hoping? 12.2 points, four rebounds in about 21.2 minutes per game. Because when you look at what Victor and Troy did, that seems like a reasonable thing to expect from Justin if he's going to, you know, if he's getting into that 24 to 26 minute range. And I don't think that's unfair, you know, to just to, to compare him to those two guys just going from freshman to sophomore. So, Ryan, is that kind of what the breakout looks like to you, or does it look a little different? 
I think if he does what he did over the final six games last year, that 12 point, two points, 4.0 rebounds. I mean, obviously being more minutes, I think. Um, but I think that those points and rebounds would be spread around other people. So you wouldn't expect more minutes to equal necessarily more points uh, just automatically. Uh, if he does 12.2 points, four point four rebounds a game, I think you're really happy this year. Uh, averages that for the whole season. Because the thing about Justin is he's not he doesn't seem like a huge rebounder he's not going to go out there and grab you 10 rebounds consistently Um, and and Troy was able to do that just because of his ridiculous athleticism and and he was able to you know get in the mix above his size and above his weight and, and above his positioning he really wasn't a great you know he wasn't great at blocking guys out but he chased the ball well and he had great athleticism to go up and get it uh Justin has that too but I think that you're not going to see him racking up a ton of rebounds, particularly on this team when I think a lot of guys are going to be collecting rebounds. So I think that 12 points and and four rebounds for an entire season from him, you'd be happy with that. You love to see more. I mean, you'd love to see 12.6 rebounds and, and maybe a steal or a block a game or something like that. But I, I think that given the rest of the roster with Juwan Morgan, Romeo Lankford, hopefully an improved Devontae Green, and and then guys like Race Thompson chipping in and and Fitzner and and those guys, if you get twelve points out of Justin Smith, I think you're thrilled. And, and consistently throughout, if you average that for the season, I think you're thrilled. Andy, what does the Justin Smith breakout look like to you? Yeah, I think it's you know when you look at some of the shot totals down down the stretch of the season. So kind of take the you know, forget about the Rutgers game as we would all like to. Um, you what know, he Rutgers had thir- game. Thir- yep, see, thirteen shots against Ohio State, eleven against Nebraska. Um, you know, seven against Iowa with seven free throws, seven against Illinois, five against five against Minnesota. I mean, if you look at some of those games, it's it's certainly hard to envision a scenario where he's getting dramatically more shots than what he got in in those kinds of games. So in that regard, I think those numbers seem somewhat reasonable. I mean, maybe I'd go closer to 10 points and, and things like that. I do think he's a, a double-digit scorer. He certainly seems to be what I think most would argue is going to be the third option behind, uh, you know, Romeo and Juwan. And I think if you're doing, you know, you're projecting that forward, that's maybe a 10, 11 point game, a point of game guy. Um, I think to expect much more than that, uh, you know, something has probably not gone to plan with, with somebody else. Um, doesn't mean he can't score that many points. I just don't know that within the general flow of what they're trying to do, he's going to get enough shots to really, uh, you know, score a lot more than that on a regular basis. And I think the rebounding is, it's interesting. We heard last year the focus on guard rebounding and those kinds of things. I, I struggle to think that you know he he did well on the offensive glass. I think his offensive rebounding percentage was really strong, uh, but the defensive glass not not as much. Um, I don't know that that's something that improves. Uh, again, I think some of that depends on you know what position he's playing and what you're really expecting him to do. Whether if he's playing the three versus if he's playing the four. Yep. All right. Well, coming up, we continue our analysis of Justin Smith by assessing his strengths and weaknesses based on both the advanced stats and film study and then pinpointing his biggest areas for improvement moving forward. That's coming. Stick with us. Welcome back. You are listening to The Assembly Call. So here is a little fun fact. We actually have over 5,600 IU fans from around the globe who subscribe to our email newsletter. There's a high-level operation going on out there. 
And you can join too. It's easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. You will get our weekly six banner Sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails once the season begins. It is all free and it will make you a smarter and more well informed IU basketball fan. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join for free today. Make no excuses. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We are continuing our offseason breakdown of Justin Smith. And so let's dive in, guys, and start talking about some strengths and weaknesses. And let's start with the strengths. Uh, I think the, the, the number one strength is pretty obvious. His athleticism and his physical development, you know, he looked more mature than your normal freshman. And, and we know how good of an athlete he is. We expect working with Cliff Marshall that that will only continue to get better as he goes through in his college career. I also thought that he really showed some strong basketball instincts, especially on offense throughout the season and especially against his own. You know, we saw him time and time again working that short corner, you know, really putting himself in a position to receive passes in a good place. As we'll especially talk- as the season went on. Yeah. You're right. Well, and, and we'll talk about, you know, in the weaknesses, sometimes he got the ball in a good place, but he couldn't finish. And so that's clearly something that he's going to have to improve on. But he was in the right spots, which you don't often see from freshmen. And I think when you look at where he really succeeded offensively, and, and these are some numbers from Synergy Sports. It's really when he was on the move. You know, when he was in pick and roll situations, he was actually in the 91st percentile, 1.364 points per possessions in those situations when he was uh, the man setting the screen. And then, Ryan, you mentioned his rebounding, as did you, Andy. And he right now is a much better offensive rebounder than a defensive rebounder. And he's terrific at turning offensive rebounds into points uh, in the 81st percentile, 1.296 points per possession on offensive rebounding opportunities. So a good offensive rebounder, good finisher there. And I'll tell you the other thing that I like about Justin that I think is a strength for him moving forward is he expresses great humility in his public comments, you know, crediting teammates, crediting opponents, and on the floor, where he doesn't try to do too much. You know, he fits in, he does what he's supposed to do. He's not, you know, going outside of his strengths or going outside of his offense. And I think that will help, you know, on this roster that he'll be playing on with much more talent this year. And the next step for him will be kind of learning how to assert himself a little more as he gains confidence and stature in the program and improves his skills. But he's starting from a place of, of good humility, a great attitude, great character, and that's going to work well for him in the future. So, uh, you know, Andy, as I look at Justin, those are the main strengths. What stand out to you as the biggest strengths in Justin's game? Well, you know, we talked, uh, I think we hit on a little bit of the the stuff, you know, before where, you know, the pick and roll scenarios, the, the you know, timely cuts, offensive rebound. I mean, those are all, you know, the first two are, are kind of a feel for the game type scenario, but really just using, it's a guy who's using his strengths. You know, the first strength you mentioned was athleticism. I mean, all of those things are somehow tied to, you know, athleticism, being able to make quick movements and things like that. So that shows one, a guy who, uh, is is using his strengths and to a coaching staff who is putting him in positions to to be successful uh, as a as a freshman and and as you said not really asking him to do too much so I think those things are positive and I think you it's a good foundation to build on you know does he eventually become a guy that you can isolate a little bit more or uh, you know who can who can maybe post up with a smaller players on him you're playing a team that's you know playing a three guard offense things like that I don't know that he's there yet um, but I do think the the instincts are good. And, and that's one where, you know, you brought up Troy Williams earlier and, you know, we talked about the, you know, baseline cuts and things like that. Those are the kinds of things that I think Justin Smith can do. Again, he's not Troy Williams. Um, but I think if he can use some of those kinds of things with the amount of attention that, that defenses are going to focus on Juwan and Romeo, 
um, he's a guy who can really slip in behind and, and give himself a chance to to get some really easy buckets, which um, I think he did last year on a team that that probably had uh, less talent offensively, and he was still able to you know make something out of that. Right. Yeah, I think what what I loved about Justin when he stepped on campus, you mentioned athleticism and develop and, and physical development. Uh, I thought he was in great shape in high school and looked like he had a college body in high school. I thought he looked even better when he stepped on campus at IU. I, I this is a kid who worked hard and and got himself into great shape before he even committed to IU. And then you could just see the leap he took. And one thing that I loved was that he was a guy who maybe not statistically got better as the year went on, although that kind of bears itself out over the last few games. But he mentally got better and better and better as the year went on. And and I think that you did see him running that short corner. You saw him going for those. I think you know we see him as the classic Troy Williams baseline lob play. You know where you where you would cut into the baseline behind his defender and and, and get a lob. You saw Justin doing stuff like that, even when the pass wasn't delivered. He was sort of hunting for ways to put pressure on the defense that way. And and even if you don't score that way, you're making the defense react to you. And and, and it's an underrated part of the game. It's the old, you know, cut hard, even if you're not going to get the ball, because the defense has to react to it, that can open up something for somebody else down the road. It can, it can open up something for somebody else in that moment. And it also makes them have to respect you when you are on offense, even if you're not scoring, you know, they have to react to you and they have to account for your movements on the court. And I really liked what I saw from him and his growth as the season went along. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me was this is a kid who had a mature, had a maturity about him on and off the court. And, and it seemed to continue as the year went on to grow. And he really grew as a player. And it, it seemed like on the mental side of the game as a person as well, uh, which was really impressive. So I, I, He's one of those guys you look at and and you think at a lesser school that guy would be the guy. I think he really could be at at a, at a small small at a smaller school, maybe in a mid major. He's the guy they build around. Uh, but at Indiana, he's a guy who can be a really nice complimentary piece that maybe moves up to an All Big Ten type guy by the time he's a senior, if everything on his development goes well and if he continues on this trajectory. He's a he's a real exciting player and and. It, there were so many things I liked from what I saw from him last year. And I loved your comment on his humility because it's so true. You're listening to the assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. We're doing our off season breakdown of Justin Smith. So we talked about the strengths. There's a lot to like, we know that, but let's talk about some of the weaknesses and some of the areas where Justin's really going to need to improve to make good on all these breakout predictions. You know, we talked about the rebounding. He only had a, a defensive rebounding rate of 14%, which was like seventh or eighth on the team. So not what you would expect maybe from a guy with that level of athleticism and that's so good on the offensive glass. He also is not a guy who's going to create for others. You know, His assist rate was dead last on the team, uh, below everybody. So that's not something you're going to get from him. And I think surprisingly and maybe a little bit you know, disappointing is from a steal and a block percentage, those both those numbers seem low given his athleticism. For example, both numbers were less than Freddie McSwain's last year, and Justin seems like a more instinctive player than Freddie McSwain. But even when you go back and look at Justin's high school stats, he's not a guy who racked up a lot of blocks and steals. So that may just not be something that's really in his repertoire. He's a guy who his production is really going to be counted more on points and rebounds and kind of big momentum-shifting plays and being in the right place doesn't seem like a guy who's going to generate a lot of steals and blocks, like, for example, Juwan Morgan does. 
And from an offensive standpoint, we talked about finishing through contact. You know, Archie Miller, I don't know if he called him out specifically, but, you know, certainly alluded to him being soft early in the season. That seemed to get better. It will need to continue. And as a stationary offensive player, as a spot-up shooter, as a post-up guy, he was really poor last year. Five, in, in the 5th percentile, in the 10th percentile, he's going to get some open looks. Uh, you know, Maybe he won't be posting up a lot, but he's going to get some open looks because of the attention that Juwan and Romeo are going to draw. He's going to have to get a little bit better at converting those opportunities and then also learning to play without fouling because he uh, committed five fouls per 40 minutes last year. And if he wants the the you know, the number of minutes to rise, he's obviously not going to be able to foul so that he stays on the court. So, uh, you know, Andy, I think those are, you know, from a high level, those are some of the obvious weaknesses that jump out. Uh, what others are there? And, and of those, what do you think are the most important ones uh, for him to have the breakout everybody's expecting this year? Yeah, it was interesting on the, the shooting percentages because I, uh, you know, without looking at the numbers in my head, had thought about some of those challenges with finishing around the hoop and, um, and then you look up and he was in conference play, made 57% of his twos and which ranked, I think, 17th, it looks like in the in the conference. Now, the flip side of that is, you know, there weren't a ton of shots that he took that weren't right around the rim. I mean, I don't know, you know, the number of, you know, kind of mid-range jump shots, but to me, that was a negligible number. So maybe if you think you're taking the majority of your shots within five feet of the hoop, 57% doesn't seem as good as it might sound. Um, so I definitely think that, is a factor and something that he struggled with early. And then I think, um, you know, just getting used to the physicality and not getting calls and, and some of those kinds of things. I think that for any young player um, is going to be a factor. I, I think the big thing for him from a, the ability to jump um, minutes wise is going to be how much can he improve defensively? Um, I thought he did okay uh, at times against when he, you know, go back to that Minnesota game. I thought he played really well against Jordan Murphy inside, which is not necessarily what you would expect um, out of a guy like him who was giving up some size and things like that. Um, if he's going to play more of the three and ends up being put out in space on the floor a little bit more, it's odd to say that about a guy who athletically you feel like can do it. But as you said, um, you know, defending pick and rolls and some of those kinds of things, just overall awareness, being able to block shots and get steals and, and being able to, you know, jump plays before they happen. Uh, without fouling, you know, with those, you know, five fouls for 40 minutes. I think that probably one, we already know about Archie that if you're not going to play defense, well, you're probably not going to, not going to play as much as you might think you should. Um, and two, you look back at some of his struggles in that area. Um, I think those are the biggest things that he needs to do because if he didn't develop a jump shot and took the kinds of shots that he got last year, within the flow of the offense, I think you'd probably live with that. You might be a little bit disappointed and say he didn't grow the way that you wanted him to. But I think offensively, if he kind of held steady and got a lot better defensively, I think he'd still find plenty of time to play. Uh, while I think we expect him to get better offensively, I think defense is the biggest thing for him. Because if if he's going to play the three, we've talked about this before, there's a lot of guys lining up on this roster who um, could see time in that spot, uh, you know, with the McRoberts and, and trying to figure those kinds of things out. So um, I think that's the biggest thing for him to get better at as a sophomore. Right. Yeah, I think that a lot of the complaints about him, or, or you know, that not complaints, but the weaknesses, are things that a lot of them you can tally up to just being a freshman. And, you know, finishing through contact. We say that about everybody who comes in because it is a different level of physicality. It just is. It's a huge jump. You know, you're playing against essentially grown men as opposed to 
high school boys. His was just uh, accentuated because he had so many opportunities to do it and to of fail course. early on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and certainly, and, and, and it's, it's, it's certainly a worthwhile thing to point out. And it's great that there's film of that for him to watch and say, oh gosh, yeah, I do need to get stronger at this. Um, I think also the, the fouling, I think that's a, that's a huge thing that a lot of times with maturity, you know, and, and smarts uh, on that side of the, uh, of the, uh, of the floor really develops, you know, you just learn how to take different angles and not foul and not use your hands when you're playing defense and use your feet and all that stuff. And defending the pick and roll, I think is the same thing. You just kind of get used to it. He could probably get away with things when defending the pick and roll in high school that he can't college, you know, just certain you have to anticipate better. You have to be able to step away or step out better and all that stuff. So a lot of that develops. I agree with you. I think defensive awareness, big time that comes from getting in the film room and then getting on the floor and, and, you know, using what you've learned in film and putting it on the floor, uh, specifically in practice. I, I agree. Spot up shooting. He's a guy with his size, with his length, and with his release on his shot. He should be able to hit shots from the outside. And, and he's going to have plenty of opportunities, and he's going to have a tough shot to block because of that length. Um, and I think you're right. Strength around the basket, that is uh, certainly something that, that as, as we mentioned, it, all freshmen go through and they all have to get better at. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. All right, thank you, Archie. We appreciate the kind words. All right, let's move on. Uh, coming up in our final segment, we answer your questions. As always, there are a lot of good ones, including a request for our bold predictions that are also realistic, and who we think is the most overlooked player on the current roster. That and more coming up next. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, wrapping up another week of talking Indiana basketball. And it is segment four, which means it is time to answer your questions. We got a ton of them. We're going to try and get to as many as we can. Uh, if you noticed last week, I did a mailbag uh, on our podcast in between. So that helps us kind of handle some of the questions that we can't get here on the radio show. But let's start plowing through these, see how many we can get to. The first one comes to us from Alex on Twitter. He says, what is your realistic yet bold prediction for this year? I think Justin will test the NBA waters with no agent after this year. So that that's Alex's prediction. That, that would be a pretty bold prediction, I would say. Um, I'm going to say that Juwan and Romeo both make at least second team all Big Ten, um, that they're two of the 10 best players in the Big Ten. Uh, and some people may not think that's that bold. So I will also add that I think either Devontae or Justin Smith will make honorable mention all Big Ten. Not necessarily both of those guys, but I think one of those guys will make honorable mention all Big Ten. Uh, Andy, what is your bold yet realistic prediction? Boy, um, I'll, I'll, I'll throw out a couple. So one would be that Devontae starts every game at point guard. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Whoa. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's bold yet realistic. I would say that's just bold. That's bold. No. Not not a bad way. I like realistic. it. I'm I'm yeah. on it. I guess the other would be probably somewhere around that IU would finish in the top two of the conference. I think that's probably not where people would predict, but I think it's possible given the guys that came back other places. So I'll go with those two. Okay. All right. Mine is that Romeo Langford will not lead the team in minutes. Interesting. So you're saying that Juwan will? Maybe. 
Oh, I didn't. Geez. I didn't say that. But no. And, well, and who and else think, is going to do it if it's not Romeo? But what I will say about that, my implication is, I think Juwan will be healthy all year and and will outpace Romeo Langford in minutes. Okay. So. Um, okay. So Alex's second question: Who do you think is the most overlooked player on the team? And I'm going to say right now, I think the most overlooked player is Evan Fitzner because I think we're underestimating the impact of a big guy who can shoot 40% from downtown on a roster that had nobody that shot 40% from downtown last year. Uh, and, you know, we'll have to see what he does from a defensive standpoint, but especially given Duran's injury, uh, I think, and the value that his experience will bring. So, in other words, what I'm saying is I think Evan's going to be better than advertised, certainly better than he's currently being advertised. Whether he'll have the impact of Max Bielfeld, I don't know, because that was a pretty high bar. But I do think we're underestimating how many lineups Fitzner is going to work his way in because he can shoot 40% from downtown and space the floor to open things up for Romeo and Devontae to do their work. So that's, fitting, that's who I think. that you bring that up on Max Bielfeld's birthday. Oh, it is Francis Max Bielfeld's pa- birthday. That's right. Francis Parker High School, everybody. Happy birthday, Max. Yeah, happy birthday, Max. One of our favorites. Uh, Andy, uh, who do you think? Or Ryan, you go first. Yeah, uh, I I was just going to jump in. Uh, most Stunning. overlooked. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I think it's going to be Race Thompson. I think we're going to see a lot out of Race this year, especially with Deron Davis injured, and I think that he's going to have a leg up on the other freshmen because he's been on campus for a year. I think he's going to be great, and I think I, I really love what I love his game. Obviously, we haven't seen him for a year, but I love what I saw on film uh, before he entered i think one of the one of my most memorable parts aside from you know the game losing three-pointer when we were in town uh was jared and i are standing on the floor and race walks by and i look at jared and i was like dude he's big like he looked so much bigger in person than he looked on camera and that he had looked in high school and i think we both recognize that and we're like oh yeah no, no he's big like he's a lot bigger than you think he is so yep. i i think he's he's my my guy who everyone overlooks. Okay. Andy, uh, I had two guys in mind. Race was one. Uh, McRoberts is the other. I think uh, it's just easy yeah. to yeah. see the talent come in and everybody to write him off and say, he's not going to get minutes. Um, but he does all the things that Archie wants somebody to do. So, um, if anybody and, thinks McRoberts isn't going to get minutes, they are foolish, especially if well, you I don't heard... think people think he's not going to get minutes. I think he's going to, the, the, the assumption is there's all this talent. He's going to fall off minutes wise a lot from last year. Not that he won't play. Um, but I think to assume even that he might not start is it could turn out to be foolish. And uh, when he turns into senior year, Dane Fife, as I as we I've talked about before, then you know you, you won't be able to take him out. Over under McRoberts playing fifty percent of available minutes this year. Over. Ooh, fifty percent. That's uh-huh. high. I know. Ooh. I think I think first half of the season he'll hit that, but I think he may he may not play I, quite I, as many minutes second half of the year, but he'll still be I playing think a lot of important ones. See, that's what I would think is that I think he'll play important minutes. I don't know if he'll play half of them in the second half, and and that's not a bad thing. That would be a good thing for IU because it would mean that other guys stepped up. It wouldn't it wouldn't mean that Zach's losing that spot. It would mean that other people are winning those minutes because Zach's not going to lose time. I think, and, and there could also be some him. particular matchups that aren't great for him either. You know where he could not play quite yeah. as much. So. Um, okay, let's hit this one really quick. This is from Jared on Slack. So much optimism this season, understandably so, but I think we need to level it out a bit. Which player do you think is most susceptible to a disappointing season? And what do you think will keep them from the productivity they're capable of? Ryan, who do you think is most susceptible? Oh, you got to go to me first on this one? Gosh. Um, I would say susceptible to a disappointing season. I think Al Durham. And the reason why is because I think there's an influx of talent on the perimeter. And I think it's 
there's a potential for him getting lost in the shuffle. And I hope that doesn't happen because I like Al a lot and, and I like his ability, particularly on the defensive end. And I think he's, he's pretty good getting to the hoop. Um, but I think that there are other guys who can do a little bit more. Plus a guy like McRoberts can play the off guard, you know, an off guard slash wing position. Justin Smith can move out to the wing. Uh, I, I think that you're going to have, you know, a, a, a Jerome Hunter as well. I mean, there's just an influx of talent on the perimeter uh, and there's a chance that maybe he gets left behind. And I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm saying I think that that's, that's potential. I'm very there's confident that that. that that could happen. Yeah, <laughs> very confident it could. Andy? <laughs> uh, well, I think we don't have a ton of time. I, I'll say Duran potentially just because I uh, think yeah. the injury and, and those kinds of things. I, I think there's a wide array of what people expect from him at this point. So uh, that would be one that I would, I would worry about. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'll say Devontae because as confident as I am in Devontae, I still think he could be susceptible to disappointment if he's not able to make the gains in maturity and focus that we were all hoping that he can. All right, that'll do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join or text 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.